Welcome to Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast featuring stories and information about the largest food co-op in Arkansas. Based in Fayetteville and serving all of Northwest Arkansas, the co-op has been around for 50 plus years, providing community and encouraging a love of food that is good for us and our planet. Learn our history and standards of quality. Meet our co-op members, employees, and vendors, and understand why being locally focused is vital to our food, products, and economy. The co-op has leveraged cooperative economics here in Northwest Arkansas to bring the freshest and the best food to our whole community. Listen to Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast today to learn why. Hey folks, and welcome to the Ozark Natural Foods Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we have a great episode in store for you today. We are sitting down with Shane Hart, a principal and uh, founding partner of Black Box, to learn more about the relocation and rebrand of the co-op, which took place actually not too long ago. And Black Box is an organization that the co-op has worked with for a number of years, and they continue to work on a number of initiatives and projects. And so we thought it would be great to get Shane on the episode to talk a little bit more about their work and efforts on behalf of the co-op and what they're trying to do to help extend the brand. So first of all, Shane, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you got connected with the co-op? And when I say yourself, I mean Black Box and and how you guys got to working together. So Black Box has been around about eight or nine years. I sort of refounded it when I moved home after 25 years of working on either coast and around the country on all kinds of branding and creative projects from really large companies, really small companies. And our goal has and always remains that we are a creative and branding consultancy that brings together all of the touch points of a brand so that people can connect with it in a holistic and interesting and deeply engaging way. So our work begins with an approach that is sort of really grounded in curiosity and learning and research and discovery and then grows through the creative iterations and presence of the brand and then beyond that further activates the brand in a way that people and its various audiences and customers in the case of the co-op can see it as this whole thing yeah. that speaks to them in a consistent way. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's one of those things where the average consumer doesn't necessarily see that whole piece go into, you know, happen, you know, the sausage making, as we like to say, when it comes to the marketing and branding piece of it. Do you remember your first interaction with the co-op? I do. And to your earlier point, actually, if we do our job great, they don't see it. It's seamless, right? (laughs) It is. It is. Yes. The co-op reached out to us several years ago when they were first contemplating relaunching the co-op's leadership and the board was well aware that the food market was going to be shifting pretty dramatically in Fayetteville. They knew that Whole Foods was coming to town, that there would be other natural grocers, so on and so forth. And I must say, I have to compliment, pardon me, the leadership here, because we have clients come to us all the time saying it's time for us to relaunch, it's time for us to rebrand, so on and so forth, but without a lot of planning behind it. And one of the great things about the co-op was that the leadership and the board had planned for several years before they reached out to us, seeing the future and knowing that they were going to need to do this work. So they reached out to us and started with us at the place we like to start at the very, very beginning, as Julie Andrews says, right, (laughs) with nothing and with sort of no preconceived notions except for what is an extraordinary history. Yeah. So that's where we began. They reached out to us and said, we know that this world is changing and our world is changing and It has continually changed since 1971 when we opened, and this is a key inflection point, and we need help to move forward and to meet what's going to be coming new in the market. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, was this your first opportunity to work with the business model of a co-op, or had you guys done something with them before? Or maybe you've had experiences with co-ops in the past. So, no, we've never worked with another co-op. Okay. Um, We work with nonprofits. We work with arts and culture organizations. Certainly, we work with retail brands. Yep. And all, you know, we're not category specific. We work across all industries. Okay. But we'd never worked with a co-op model before. However, I was aware of the co-op model personally. Yeah. And I was very well aware of the co-op here in Fayetteville personally. 
because my family's from here and I spent all my summers here as a kid. I lived here with my partner early on. And I think I've probably visited and shopped in at least two, if not three, co-op locations okay. at this point. I know I'm dating myself. So you've got there. some history, basically. Yeah, I, yeah definitely. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I mean, clearly that helped. That kind of helped you in your part of the process as it pertains to kind of understanding it. I would imagine one of your jobs as a, a brand and, and a marketing person is to fully understand and immerse yourself in the world of your client. Yeah, that is our job. I yeah. mean, it's where all of our work begins, right? Is right? in a deep understanding. And we also test a lot of the preconceived notions that brands and businesses and organizations have about themselves because we all come with that, right? Yeah. So we look at how it sits contextually in the marketplace, how it sits more broadly. We look for those points of differentiation. So yeah, a deep dive into brands is where all of our work begins. And you can't get at the co-op without getting into the co-op. Yeah, exactly. Were there any surprises that you recognized right away when you started working with the co-op or was it pretty smooth sailing throughout the process of helping them with the rebrand? There's a lot of questions there. So first of all, <laughs> there's never smooth sailing yeah. when you do a project that expands over three to five years sure. you know, and that sort of thing. And there's also always unique challenges when you're working on a brand that has been around as long as the co-op. Yeah. That is so much a part of the community and that has so much investment in it by the community. Right. Yeah. So the surprises were and, you know, and when I say it was rough, it doesn't mean, you know, didn't mean it was bad. We yeah, had great no, no, partners there. Yeah. But rough. And, you know, there's bumps where you learn things and things are unexpected. I think, you know, there weren't things about the co-op business model that were so unexpected to me. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that I, I guess I knew but I don't think I knew the degree to which and the intensity was the deep sort of emotional investment yeah. that this community has in the co-op. It makes sense that that should be so. When they reached out to us, I was really excited. And one of the reasons is, is we work all over the country. Yep. In fact, few of our clients are here. But the opportunity to work on something in your hometown that is so iconic is a treat. Yeah. Right? So for someone especially who's gone away, applied their creative skills and experience across the world and the country. And then to come home and one of the earliest projects that we worked on was something that to me was so iconic yep. and that I think is so iconic to Fayetteville was, I mean, we would have done it at any cost, right? Sure, it was so exciting. Sure. I think there are certain things about certain businesses and entities in every town that just define them, you know, there's no East Village without Cat's Deli. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, there's. You're taking me back with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, there's just certain <clears throat> things that, you know, have deep, deep investment by people in the community. Some of those are businesses. Some of them are cultural institutions. Some of them are places. And so, you know, you can't have Fayetteville without the farmer's market in the square. Yeah. Right. You can't have it without Dixon Street. You sure can't have it on a Friday night without Maxine's. Right. 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 So there are things about Fayetteville, which is such a colorful and terrific community, right, that make it what it is. And many of these things are institutions like the co-op. So from its starting days in a little white house to moving around town, you know, the co-op represents this arc of history in Fayetteville that is really, really interesting from early folks coming here as a part of the back to the land movement. Yeah. And hippies, if we can use the word, right? And saying, we want a different model of meeting our food needs and meeting the needs of our community. So beginning there and watching that evolve over time, and as I would come home and go away and so on and so forth, and see that it continued to exist, when they reached out to us, I was like, this is iconic. This is such an opportunity. You know, we worked on the rebranding of Fayetteville itself for Experience Fayetteville. Yeah. And we did those things in reasonably close, you know, proximity. Proximity, yep. And to get to do those two things, but particularly the co-op just had deep resonance. So when you get to touch something that's iconic, when you're in my business, you want to treat it with tender, loving care on the one hand. Sure. And then then on the other hand, you want to really interrogate, you know, what is its meaning within the community? How can I better articulate that? And how can I make it alive and vital today as much as it was when it first began? Yeah. You know, and I would imagine that certainly anything that you do is never done in, in a vacuum. You have to elicit support or solicit support and feedback and just what were your interactions, if any, like with the members of the co-op that maybe you had a chance to speak with 
just before, you know, as you embarked upon this project? I would need to reach back to my team to confirm this, but we began discovery, which is our period of learning when we begin any project. I believe our discovery lasted almost nine months on this project. Between that and coming back for some further learnings, it may have even lasted as long as a year. And when we do that, and in particular with the co-op, again, an iconic institution here in Fayetteville, there's lots of stakeholders. There are stakeholders who consider themselves stakeholders who... You know, we might not even define as stakeholders right, in some right, places, right? right? I got you. you. Know? Yeah. Because customers here become stakeholders in a way that they often aren't with other retail institutions. Sure. So we did long periods of understanding and working with and talking to and questioning the board, members, new members, yeah. potential members, certainly the team and the staff. We did a lot of benchmarking around the country, particularly in the grocery space. Yeah. We have worked with Whole Foods historically, too. So we have a fair amount of learning around the natural food space. We spent a lot of time researching and benchmarking other co-op business models. Sure. Because there are fewer and fewer of them today. Right. uh, And talking about that. And then there's the cultural work that we do and the cultural research. And then there's the psychographic and the demographic research we do, right? Because not only do we need to speak to the current customer base and members of the co-op, but we want to attract new folks, sure, right? So we want to understand how younger people, different generations view the co-op. I always joke that, you know, I can nail your generation if you live in Northwest, Northwest Arkansas mm-hmm. by what you call it, right? right? It's Ozark Natural Foods to some folks. It's ONF to others. It's the co-op because I grew up in the 80s to me, right? It's got all of these names and you can sort of date it, you know, you can when people became aware of it almost by what they call it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that is certainly that was an effort that was uh, not taken lightly. And a lot of work went into that. When I I hear a year just to go into a rebrand, I mean, that means there's a lot of thought, a lot of consideration, a lot of time spent with everybody that you could talk to that could give you the type of information that you need before you embark upon, well, here's what we recommend that you do. We became aware early on that there was a deep awareness of the co-op among a small group of folks yeah, and a deep commitment. And by small, I don't mean tiny. There was awareness among you know the community at large to a pretty great degree, right? But there was a really tiny, avid, devoted group of folks, right, who made up the core of what I really do think is the co-op, right? Yeah. We learned a lot from those folks. What we also learned as we started talking to other people who weren't among that group that is so invested and working with the board and shopping there regularly or even members, right, was they didn't really understand it, number one. They didn't understand what a co-op was. They didn't necessarily understand, you know, a lot about it. Some had not even been exposed to it physically because at the old location, you know, as college has shifted its complexion over the years, fewer people passed it, especially younger folks. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a broad range of people, one with deep history and background. And when I say deep history, I think we have board members that go back to the late 70s when we started doing that work with them. Right. And then others that had no exposure at all. Right. And so it was very, very broad. Even the name. Because, as I mentioned before, people call it different things. It's a problem for a brand when people don't call it the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I always answer when somebody calls me Shane. My first name is David. If you call me David, I will sit there like an idiot and not answer, right? <laughs> like, it's still my name, right? Right. But right. on the first day of school, it's always awkward because I never. Exactly, right? yeah. And so when you have a brand that <clears throat> has deep ownership by a lot of folks, but at the same time is called a different thing yeah. by a lot of folks, we knew that we needed to clarify that. And so we made the decision early on, among other strategic decisions, to go, we're going back to our roots. We're calling ourselves the co-op. We think that this is the best way to introduce the co-op business model to people is we always encourage clients to say what you are. Sure. Right? Yeah. Ozark Natural Foods was a mouthful, right? <laughs> and ONF, an acronym that was meaningless, yeah, right? Yeah. But the co-op really meant something. Sure. It had, and we can talk about the creative process later, but it also had the benefit, as I always say, nobody, we love in the creative business to have four strong characters. So it had that going for it too, right? But I think the main thing it had going for it is it forthrightly said, this is who we are, right? Whether you understand what that is or not, give us an opportunity to tell you the story. That's another job we have to do. 
But we decided to go back to the name co-op for a reason. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting to see. And, you know, I, I find myself sometimes as even as, as involved as I am with the co-op, sometimes fumbling between one <laughs> word, one name and another. And I think you, you're not alone in that. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's the, kind of the way that it is. I think one thing that has helped, though, and, and I was talking with Mike Anzalone, the general manager about this, is that the location of the store now is so prominent. I mean, Lafayette and North College in Fayetteville is one of the most trafficked intersections. I mean, in terms of numbers, right? <laughs> yes. It's there, but also it's a great cultural intersection of Fayetteville, yeah. right? I mean, you basically, the core of all of those iconic things that make Fayetteville, Fayetteville again, Yeah, you're right there at the nexus of all of that. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when we were first engaged by the co-op, there was not the plan to move. Right. The original plan was to renovate and reuse and adapt the Evelyn Hills location. And that was a working plan for quite some time. And I know that you're going to be talking to Chris Barabo and Leanne from Modus, yeah. the architectural firm with whom we collaborated so closely. They're great partners and they've been great partners for the co-op too. We spent months actually working on the store at Evelyn Hills with the assumption that that's where we were going to relaunch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until more than a year later, somebody else can tell you the dates that Mike reached out to me and he goes, so I have some news. <laughs> and uh, he goes, what do you think? And I'm just like, it's amazing. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. In a way that IGA, which had formerly been Marvin's IGA and had been a grocery for so long, there was something really fantastic about, again, taking kind of this destination for grocery that had always been there, yeah. but then fully transforming it with something new that was embedded in the community that felt welcoming and, but it was still a destination for food, but fully reinvented with better food and an experience that invited the community in. The intervention that Modus did, the brilliant intervention and introduction of the front porch, I think speaks volumes to what we were trying to achieve there. Yeah. Everyone I mean, yeah, you have to notice it. Yeah. When you drive down North College, whether you're going north or south on North College, between Dixon and Lafayette, you can't help but notice it, uh, especially on a, on, a, on a beautiful spring afternoon at around lunchtime. I mean, the place is packed. I know. It's amazing, right? It is. And it does. It's so welcoming, that soaring porch, right? And everyone welcome above the door and that sort of thing. One of our first learnings, actually, was when people were being asked if they were members, and we can talk about the co-op model at some point, but membership for many, implies exclusion. Yeah. And one of the first things that we wanted to do was to immediately say, both in terms of the experience that one has of the physicality of the space, mm -hmm. the location, the way we were renaming it, the way we were starting to talk about it, and so on and so forth, was, yes, there's a membership. There's good reasons why, right? But everyone's welcome. Member or not, everyone's welcome. This is a place for community. And it is, community is probably one of the most overused words in my work today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, in branding and marketing. It's like, well, we're creating a community. Are you or are you just some, selling some stuff? Yeah. Right? Like most <laughs> folks are just selling some stuff. Yeah. Right? It's a buzzword for sure. The co-op can fully own it and wrap its arms around it and embrace it, right? Because without the community, there is no co-op. Yeah. So it's one of those places where it's kind of almost goes without saying. The co-op is a community. So. Sure. You know, I'm curious to know, and given that you did get a chance to connect with a lot of the stakeholders, did you by chance talk to any of the farmers, any of the suppliers to the co-op? What, in their words, did the co-op mean to them? So, yes, we talked to vendors, brands, all of these are stakeholders. I mean, dozens of groups, farmers, and of course, you know, farmers that are involved in the farm program that the co-op does, which is a brilliant program that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this year. For those who don't know about it, it meant a few things to them. One of the things it meant was that they could farm year round and sell stuff year round. Right. And I know that sounds fundamental and basic, but having thriving, small, privately owned farms is not a given anymore. Sure. We live in an industrial food environment. We live in an industrial farming environment. My family has a multi-generation dairy farm that still operates. I get it. I understand what small farms are like to operate. And it's hard. Yeah. And it, it is extremely hard for small farmers today. So one of the things that it meant, and again, I know it sounds fundamental and basic almost, is it meant that they had a place to sell their goods and the things that they grew. And 
that's not a given sure. because them getting in the doors of another grocery, especially if it's a national grocery chain, right? Very difficult. If not impossible. Yeah. Because just supply chain and logistics, they can't supply them regularly. The nature of the way they grow, the volume at which they grow, it just simply doesn't work for them, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, it works against them. So we've had a robust farmer's market for many, many years. We've had it and it's lived happily and almost as a partnership in many ways with the co-op. The co-op allows those small farmers and those small makers and vendors a venue to sell their goods, which are local, higher quality in most cases, right? And more desirable for their impact to the environment. Also, they taste better. Yeah, right. absolutely. So it meant it was a place for them to sell their goods and bring them to market on a regular basis, which, again, many communities just don't have. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that is one of the strategic advantages that the co-op has. You know, you walk into that and it's also kind of strategic the way you walk into the building and you're kind of greeted by fresh flowers on one side and just an explosion of color in the produce section that's right there. And it was highly intentional. In the design, <laughs> right? Marketplace, the fresh area is, you know, it was always intended to be the focal point when you came in. I mean, we always wanted to say. And again, Modus made this, you know, helped work this out in a brilliant way. We wanted to people to walk in the door, number one, to feel incredibly welcome. Yeah. And number two, to literally kind of be overcome with all of this fresh goodness in front of you. Yeah. And then to realize that a large portion is grown here in your backyard, literally. Yeah. We did a bunch of work when we were trying to understand how to demonstrate the co-op's role in the community. And we stopped counting. We can do some better math on this someday. Mm -hmm. That roughly 67 cents of every dollar that you spend at the co-op goes right back into our community. Yeah. That you can't do that anywhere else. Right. We talked about the recirculation of the dollar. Right. For when, and that's why that's one of the things. And Mike and I mentioned that when, when I, I interviewed him for his podcast episode. And we talked about the importance of that. And I think that gets lost with people sometimes, you know, the, you go down and, and it's no knock on Whole Foods or uh, natural grocers, but most of the time that money comes in there outside of what might get paid to the employees that work there. The rest of it goes out of the community fairly quickly. Whereas the co-op model and the co-op itself, this co-op, that's not the case. No, it's not. And I mean, it touches two things, right? It touches quality and culture. And it touches feasibility, viability, and revenue. And those two things aren't separated, right? Yeah. And so on the one hand, the co-op, the way it operates, from whom it buys, how it exists in our community, every so much more, I mean, by dozens of degrees of dollars go back into our community. It's real simple and to say this, but there's a very real return to our community that means we, our schools are better. Yeah. Our roads are better, right? There's all of those things that stay right here at home. And that's incredible. And then there's what I call the cultural contributions, right? And that's the things that the co-op is able to make do to help small farmers thrive and grow. This has always been an agricultural area. And it's great that we have small farmers that are able to thrive and grow here and have a place to sell, right? Yeah. It's a gathering place for our community where people know each other by name. And even if they don't, they feel welcome and they feel at home. It's impossible to put a dollar amount on those two values, right? And then there's the opportunity of ownership. And that's both a real thing that you get to own, right? Yeah. But there's also the sense of ownership, right? Right. And we always tell clients that, you know, you want, you're looking out there for customers who can love your brand so much so that they feel like it's their own, mm -hmm. that they identify with it. Co-op. <laughs> brings that to life in very, very real way, right? Yeah. And so I think these values that it brings to the community, yes, are literal and financial and play out in the quality of life that we have here on the one hand. And then there's the cultural contributions from the way that the co-op is able to engage with the community and bring things to the community and serve as a platform for community conversations. Sure. And for farmers to bring stuff to market and makers to bring things to market and so on and so forth. And those things often are difficult for us to put a value on, right? But we feel them and we would certainly feel them if they weren't here. Yes. I mean, you're absolutely right. And as I think about it, I know that we esteem the things that we hold, give great value to. And I think the co-op is one of those, which is why people are so vocal about the co-op, right? 
one way or the other. I mean, we've right. run into our challenges and <laughs> yeah. let's just say that, you know, there's, you know, of course, social media can sometimes be a good thing and it can be the bane of our existence. But I think that the, it all it does is amplify the fact that there is a real connection with this community and the co-op that you don't always find with these types of businesses and organizations. Not at all. Remember, the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy, right? (laughs) Right, right. You know, I mean, when people are really vocal about the things that they don't like, uh, which has happened, sure. Sure. And when you have a community that actually owns you, they have to have a voice, right? And so, but you know, we've been through many board meetings, we've been through many things over the years that we've worked with the co-op now, three or four or five, I can't remember. And some of those things have been challenging. How do we talk to our community about certain things in challenging times like COVID, yeah. for example? Yeah. Especially or, COVID or the, in or, the moment. Or where we are right now with the inflationary challenges that the co-op is dealing with. Right. All of those things, yeah. right? Those, you know, there was a moment during COVID and also many of the social justice movements that were swelling at the same time where we had to have conversations with our community that were tough, you know, yeah. and all of us did in all of our businesses. And the co-op was faced with that same challenge, but it was uniquely challenging because of the depth of ownership and commitment that people felt around it. Sure. That's tough on the one side, right? The flip side in of it is it shows this sort of deep amount of care, right? And that's the thing that we want to focus on. We're not going to get all the answers to things like a global pandemic, no, right? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. We're definitely not going to get all the answers to things like inflation, right? No. All the time. Super complicated, right? But what we can do is engage with each other from a place of care and concern and transparency. And so the co-op, you know, it's rad- it's a tenet of the co-ops that and we've really tried to reinforce over the last few years is this notion of radical transparency, right? Even when it's tough or maybe more importantly, mostly when it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly that goes without saying. And I think anybody listening to this can appreciate, you know, some of the challenges that the co-op has been through and still continues to go through. And they don't have the backing of outside of its members. That is the backing that it has, right? We don't have a Jeff Bezos to fall back on or a multinational corporation or anything like that. This is ours. Also, the actions of the co-op are not a corporate policy that gets set and a contribution or a check that gets written and so on and so forth. Right. Or efforts at diversity, equity, and inclusion that get talked about with all of our corporate clients today or, you know, that how they're committed to local communities and are giving back to local communities. These are not corporate policies at the co-op. Right. These are a way of life. Yeah. These are the things that happen every single day at the co-op and that are born and bred into the fabric of its very operating model. Yeah. And so it's great. I like it when, you know, we have large corporations as clients. I like it when they act like good citizens. I really do. Yeah. I want them to be good citizens, you know, and I respect them for doing it in the ways that they can. I also take exception a lot of times with them and remind them, don't be performative. Right. Right. The co-op doesn't get the chance to be performative. It's right here living with real people in our community. So all of those things that make up the values of being the co-op, they have to live every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we celebrate when people are celebrating and we cry when people are crying. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's, that is the difference that you experience here at the co-op more more so than a lot of other organizations or businesses that you may frequent on a regular basis. So for sure. Yeah. And that's a fundamental difference. So let's talk just a little bit more about the actual process of the rebrand. What was what were some of your biggest takeaways from doing the rebrand? And and now that you've had a few years to look at that rebrand, what are your thoughts about it? So some key learnings that we took away that we knew that we were going to have to work on and that we we're going to have to find great creative tools, right, to speak to and articulate. First of all, we have probably three generations of folks at this point who have no real understanding of what a co-op business model is. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, co-ops have been around in the United States, well, for farmers since the 19th century, mm-hmm. you know, in ways similar to the co-op as we know it today at Ozark Natural Foods, certainly starting around the first of the 20th century with those social movements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many of those social movements have been really successful, right? 
despite the fact that, you know, we go back and forth on things. But we see a growth in historically of co-ops in moments of social change, interestingly enough. Absolutely. And so we went through a period of relative calm, whether it should have been or not, right, where this notion of co-ops, which was beloved and supported by many in the 60s and the 70s in that particular moment in time, was a Gen X person. I think it's the only co-op I ever knew, first of all. And I'm not entirely sure that I knew exactly what it meant, sure, except for the fact that my father's family are farmers and we would also go to the farmer's co-op, right? But again, I'm not entirely sure what that meant. But the first thing is, is that we understood that there was a core of people who understood and knew what the co-op was and that that core of people was getting smaller as time went on. Yeah. And that's not great because we want to grow our story, not shrink our story, number one. Secondly, we learned that younger folks in particular, and when I say younger, I'm not particularly young, I'm Gen X, right? Just don't have an understanding of what a co-op is. And we have to do a better job of not only telling them what it is, but why it's important. Yeah. Right? So that's one of the things we learned. The next thing we learned was that while we had a broad range of audiences and potential customers out there, we weren't talking to all of them. We were talking to some of them regularly and robustly mm-hmm. and others we were missing. Sure. And it's not just a miss for business. Again, it's a miss for the community not to be in connection with those folks. So one of the things that we learned is that we had to go talk to young families and college students and young single folks and that sort of thing, which were groups of people that we knew would love our mission mm-hmm. and would love the thing that we were providing. And they were certainly going to love and be excited about this new experience. And that would entice them, but we hadn't been talking to them and making great efforts to talk to them, right? Yeah. So the co-op was successful as it was understood by its core constituency, right? But it wasn't continually growing. And so that, that was the next thing that we knew. The n- next thing that we learned was over the years, the co-op has had multiple homes, multiple store experiences, <laughs> right? And it was time for another one because the ante had been raised on how people wanted to experience the buying of food, bricks and mortar retail, so on and so forth. We bemoaned the death of bricks and mortar retail. It's not true, actually. It's not. It's It's just changed. It is. Right. And customers today expected to be highly experiential. And we needed to create something that was highly experiential. And I think the next thing we knew is that there were certain things that we were really good at, but that people didn't know we were good at. So we learned that we needed to go get the foodies because we had great food, right? We needed to engage with the active outdoor sports folks in Northwest Arkansas who are attracted to our trails and greenways and so on and so forth. You know, we have great things that address their lifestyle, but we weren't talking to them. Right. Right. Yeah. And we weren't making a home for the youngest people in our community. Right. And that was a problem. Right. So we always tell all of our brands, we have our customers today. Right. And we, we want to keep raising them, like planting seeds and raising new customers all the time. And to do that, that means we have to always be changing. Yeah. So those, I would say, are the core things that we learned. And what all that meant was that we needed a fundamental reinvention of what the co-op was and how it sat in our community, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. And I think the figuratively part is hard. The literally part was somewhat satisfied by the relocation of the building and where it was. And as I, as I shared with Mike, when when he and I spoke for his episode of the podcast, you know, one of the things that we recognized was how quickly, especially during the pandemic, we had so many college students coming in and making that their second home. Right. A lot of the libraries were closed. There were just places that you couldn't go on a regular basis to study. And, and so we found a lot of college students that was their second home. You know, the co-op has always had, I, th- I think it has as a part of its bylaws that it has to have a community room or a community gathering space. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so the interesting thing was there's always been one. Right. It's just that the community wasn't there. Yeah. Now in the new space, not only is it more prominent, right? And at the intersection of all of these communities we're talking about. Yeah. You know, just at the top of Dixon Street, we have tons of young people just next to East Fable, we have tons of young families and so on and so forth. And what's happening at South Fayetteville just down the hill, yep. which is really exciting. So it did that, right? But 
there was a decision made with the new space to not enclose the community room. Yeah. For the community room to be open mm -hmm. in the same way that we believe that the community room and the co-op should be open to everyone. Yeah. And it's funny how placemaking is, you know, a thing. And we communicate with folks how we want them to engage with us in a space by the kinds of spaces we make, right? Yeah. Closed doors don't welcome folks. No. <laughs> right? It's a crazy thing, right? They don't. It's a closed door. Nobody goes in, right? There was actually a great community room at the old, you know, co-op location with a great kitchen and that sort of thing. But the community wasn't there. Right. By opening it up and opening it up to the front porch. I mean, I go over there. I pass it every day on the way to my studio. It's full all the time. And it's inviting. all kinds of folks from our community. And right? it's inviting. I mean, you like literally want to like, you kind of want to go when you see things happening, you're, you're going by, you're like, let me go in there just to stop in and go pick up a kombucha because I want to see what's going on <laughs> right, in there. So right. and yeah. we're doing some really exciting version 23 to make that even more activated and exciting, which we can talk about as well. Yeah. Well, I would love to. I mean, you, you certainly teed it up. I mean, in terms of, I know in, now that, that we've had a couple of years under our belt in the new location, one of the things that management, Mike and Lisa and the rest of the team at the co-op is, is really intentional or intent on seeing happen is the engagement of the members. And could you kind of just give us kind of a teaser of what can be expected or, or what you've identified or some of the things that you're, you're hoping to see accomplished with some of your efforts working with the co-op? So as we, I'll start at the beginning from a few years ago, the relocation was key to that. Obviously, we've t discussed it a lot here. Yeah. The next thing that we wanted to do was to create and Modus did a brilliant job of placemaking to invite the community in. Our role was to create community language and a visual language, as well as actual content that was engaging to people. Mm -hmm. And so we went about a design process that we wanted the co-op to you know, when you start touching something that's iconic, you do it carefully. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the Met was rebranded a few years ago and nobody would shut up in my business, especially for an entire year. The number of letters to the New York Times is ridiculous over a logo, but nevertheless. Um, <laughs> and trying so, to get people to make the transition to calling it the co-op again and so right. on and so forth. We knew those things would take work. Yeah. We wanted to create a visual language that was colorful like our community, that was playful, right? And that had... We created a whole vocabulary and alphabet of icons, for example, that people could immediately see and go, oh, this is that thing, right? right? That are seasonal, that are tied to marketplace or homestead or whatever it may be, so that people could look at it and go, oh, I get this thing, right? And that also enlivened it and made it colorful and made it, if not playful, it wasn't intended to be Fisher Price, right? Right. But exuberant and joyous, I think, is what we were looking for. You know, and so that part started. We also started creating a lot of content. We started creating content by talking to farmers that you've mm -hmm. asked about. Yeah. Talking to customers. Yeah. Certainly talking to stakeholders and that sort of thing and letting them talk about their experience of the co-op and what it meant to them. And that stuff is still coming out. So that was a piece of it. We did our first front porch session in collaboration with the Roots Festival this August. It was a success. I know. I was really excited about it. And it was hot and there was a lot of folks there. It was, yeah. <laughs> so that was great, right? Right. We will be launching front porch sessions an entire as an entire series in 23. Yeah. And it's really exciting where we'll be bringing in regional acts and acts from outside of our area, as well as local musicians. And we're going to invite them to the porch to play and to also have food and drink experience while they're there as well. So there will be a series of these that we'll be announcing in the next few months. And we expect this to be an ongoing series because it was a success. But we thought, here's this iconic front porch that's been created and they want people to come into. And so we were like, how can we find other ways to welcome people, right? Yeah. And to draw them to us and to have experiences beyond just shopping for groceries, right? And so the front porch sessions series are really exciting. Each one of them will have a unique act playing and a unique sort of entertainment experience. Each of them will have a unique food and beverage experience. Yeah. And, you know, everyone is welcome. Space is limited. Yeah. But everyone's welcome. Right. We can get quite a few folks in that front porch, in that front yard. And so that is one of the things that we're going to be doing coming in 23 that is really exciting, which people have already made 
the co-op a place to come to gather. And now we said, well, you know, if you're going to come to our house, let us entertain you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because, you know, it's funny. I see, I always see study groups meeting at some of those large tables on the inside and on the outside when the, when the weather's perfect. But even when the weather's not so, so great, you've got those heaters outside and some people just brave the elements and people like me that grew up in the Northeast that don't mind a little chill, right. you know, get out there with a cup of coffee and you're good to go, you know? And so to me, that's a beautiful experience. Well, I may get in trouble for saying this, but we're hoping that the end of Front Porch Sessions of 23 will be with the holiday gathering right as Lights of the Ozark comes on on the square so that we can be a part of that celebration as well. Yeah. It'll be a little cool. But you know what? It's okay. We're going to be having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it could be cool, but it could also be 70 degrees. So you just never know. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the benefits of being in the Ozarks is that sometimes you just wait a bit. The weather will change right. and it might it might be more amenable for you. So, yeah. Or the yeah. downsides of climate change. I'm not sure. But, but. well, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, too, certainly. So. But yeah, I mean, you you have, I mean, obviously brought to light a number of the initiatives and challenges that you faced as you or have continued to help with the rebranding of the co-op. And I'm curious to know what you're excited about for the future beyond just the member engagement that we're going to see in 23, which Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I mean, that's huge, but there's still so much more that I know the co-op wants to see happen. And, you know, and, and a lot of people want us to get back to our roots and I'm using air quotes now, right? Because I don't know that we'll ever get, be able to get back to where we were in 71, or in 80 or in 93, because we're in 2022 at the time of recording this. Yeah. You know, I get concerned when I hear folks say about anything, not just the co-op. And anytime I hear a client say it, let's get back to our roots. Right. I spent probably six months struggling, trying to understand what coming back from the (laughs) pandemic was going to be, for example. And I know a lot of other folks did the same thing, right? Especially in workplaces. Until I realized we're not coming back. Right. The world had fundamentally changed. It has. Right? Yeah. So these sort of nostalgic things of going, well, we want to go back to our roots in 1971. Why? No. Because the world has changed. It first has. Of all. Yeah. So we're not going to be relevant. Right. And if you're not relevant, then how do you talk to folks? Right. And how do you invite new people in? And secondly, you know, those roots in retrospect only look great in retrospect. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. 71, the cup was operating out of a house, I believe. I guarantee you didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's so, something and that a you small need selection. Here. Right. And so right. And so, right, forth. Right. so before we go back there, maybe we ought to celebrate where we are today and understand that there are things that we hold on to. Sure. You know, we have a client, Hamilton, who is America's oldest bespoke shirt maker and one of the only few left in the world. Started in 1883, right? Wow. And Jim Hamilton, the patriarch of it right now, says, hold on to your roots. That's where we came from. We never want to forget our history. And if you don't have them, you can't think about tomorrow. Right. And so I think understanding the roots of the co-op and where it came from are the critical underpinning to sort of the soul of what the co-op is. Yeah. But it was progressive at the time. And that's also a part of our roots. Yeah. Is that we should be continually looking forward. So what am I excited about looking forward? First of all, we spent a couple of years as we did the move, not focusing so much on growing membership. Yeah. And we've made a decision now to focus on that. And it's not that we didn't care about it. We always cared about it. And we know how important and critical members are to the co-op. Yeah. But we first needed to get some new folks to know us. I described it to the board at the time as let's look at this thing. Not as sort of a proposal and a wedding right off the bat. (laughs) You know, you walk up to the cash register. Would you like to be a member? Would I like to marry you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's real fast, right? But to look at it rather as a courtship. Yeah. Right. Let's let folks get to know us and who we are and understand our value and come to appreciate us so that that's the best way for people to understand the value of being a member is for them to experience it. Right. People don't love being told what they're supposed to care about, right. in my experience. Yeah. But when they're shown something that they can care about, that's really important. I also think we're in a moment in time, socially and culturally, where it's important to start talking about co-ops again. You yeah. know, I mentioned earlier how we always see co-ops grow in moments of social change, especially in this country. And I can't imagine a moment in time when we're in the midst of more and more dramatic social change than we are right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. We have income inequality issues to deal with. We have the environment to deal with. We have social justice and equity issues to deal with and all of those things. And co-ops speak to those things. They do. The very model itself is built on an understanding of that kind of equity and care and so on and so forth. And we have American Express running a series of campaigns for the last few years saying shop small, encouraging local business people, right? Right. This is your greatest local investment. Shop at the co-op. Yep. Right? We've talked about how it puts money back into our community, but it is literally shopping small and shopping local. I think it's a moment in time when it's time to start talking about co-ops again, because I believe we see this with all, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. Some things are just have inflection points. Right. Right. Yeah. That where they are more, it's not that they're irrelevant at other times, but they're particularly relevant at certain times. Sure. And I think understanding the co-op business model today is really, really relevant as a culture. We grapple with all of these things that we're going to have to find new ways of thinking about them. And while the co-op is not new, the principles upon which it is based are a view toward beginning to grapple with some of these issues in a very tangible, local, highly personal way, because you go to the grocery store every week and buy groceries and you feed your family and your friends and those that you love and yourself. Right. right? So we think it's time to start talking about the co-op business model again and why we're a co-op and why it matters. And, you know, we certainly return dividends to, you know, our membership when those are available. But more importantly, what membership is about is about ownership, which I think is hard for many people to understand when you go, you're going to be an owner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, I don't (laughs) want a mortgage, much less own a grocery store. Right. Right. So, you know, but the difference is, is this ownership enhances your voice. Yeah. It's not that you don't have one. Right. We listen to everyone. But it enhances your voice and it makes actionable your voice. Yep. And that's critical to understanding. The co-op is not a corporation that is returning profits to shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. It is a cooperative business that is returning value to its membership and its ownership. Yeah. Right. And I don't think a lot of folks understand that. And because we're a co-op and we're not having to return, have return on investment to shareholders, we're able to do things like the farms program. Right. We're able to buy from local merchants and vendors and growers and farmers that, frankly, may not make the most sense financially sometimes, but it's a part of our commitment. It's a part of our mission. We make real our impact to the environment. We make real decisions based upon that. We don't have a corporate policy on it. You know, our impact and sustainability is something that's looked at at all times. Yeah. Right. And considered. And one of the main ways that we have lower the impact on our environment is staying close to home. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So all of these things are critical right now. So we're going to spend the next year and a long time talking about those things and making it really simple for people to understand. I think historically people go, oh, what is a co-op business? It's hard, right? You can't sum it up in one sentence. And we have attention deficit disorder as a culture. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, we're down, you know, we went up to 240 characters in a tweet that may have been <laughs> twice too many, but nevertheless, um, you know, People don't have long intention spans for things that they do not have personal investment in. Right. So we have, we're learning, we're finding new ways to talk about the value of the co-op. But more importantly, we're going to work really hard in 23 and continue to do so to let people see it more. I think that's been the challenge more often than not, is not that folks would would understand it, but we were telling them about it, not showing showing them. Showing them, yeah. And showing kills every time over telling. Yeah, actually, yeah. There's a good saying in the church world, I'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, it goes without saying. Nobody likes a sermon. No. Everybody likes a story. Exactly. Everybody likes a story. And and the world is moved by stories, actually. It's the oldest form. Yeah. It's the oldest form of engagement. So, well, Shane, you have have really laid it all out here. And I I, (laughs) I certainly will be excited to see the fruits of your efforts between you and, and everything that Black Box puts together over the next year plus in terms of what we'll see in terms of membership engagement and and just you know getting the word out there and and I do believe that it's we are still the best kept secret in Northwest Arkansas and Agreed. that has to change we have to continue to work towards it and it's not just on you it's going to be on the staff at Ozark Natural Foods it's going to be on the board it will be on the members it'll be on anyone listening to this to spread the word that hey there is a great 
environment, a great business that you can go and support right there at the corner of Lafayette and North College that is making a difference in the lives of people throughout the community. New people that come to town or return to town. We have friends that have been living in Seattle for years and just moved back. You know, it's their favorite place. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think the secret's an open secret yeah. at this point. Right. What I don't think is that people know everything about it that they would love to know about it. Sure. Right? So they've come to know us. Yep. Courtship has gone well. Yeah. We want them to know more about us and we want folks to get more and more engaged with the co-op because it's rewarding at both a personal level, but also at the community level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anybody wants to connect with you after they've listened to this and say, man, I, I, I want to, you know, give Shane my a piece of, not, not necessarily a piece of their mind in a, in a negative way, but in a positive <laughs> way about the co-op and what they hope to see for the future. What's the best way for them to connect with People you? People have done that, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's no, okay. We actually, we welcome it. We always like to hear the feedback. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. They can always reach me at Shane at blackboxlabs.com. Okay, perfect. Um, they can also follow us on Insta at blackboxlabs.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And I, I would encourage anybody listening to this, you know, we, we are, we practice what we preach here at the co-op and we certainly want, if you have need of, of a marketing and branding company, look no further than Black Box and definitely take a closer look at what they're doing. They have, again, walked hand in hand with the co-op for several years. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that and encourage you, if you ever need a company like Black Box, to definitely reach out to them and let them know that you heard about it here on the co-op podcast. So thank you. Um, That's so generous. Yeah, absolutely, Shane. Thank you so much. We appreciate you sharing today and we look forward to having you back at some point in time in the future when we do another season of the co-op podcast. Congratulations on the podcast. Thank Anytime. you so much. I'm happy we, to be here. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you taking time to learn more about Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op. This podcast was developed to highlight a community created more than 50 years ago with a focus on the love of food that is good for us and our planet. We have plenty of stories to tell, so stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we will see you back here soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast. Whether you are new to the area and looking for a healthy grocery store, or you've been here for ages but didn't know the whole story about Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op, this podcast is one of the best places to start. For more information about the co-op, please visit our website at onf.coop to learn more. That's onf.coop. At Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op, we mean it when we say keeping it local since 1971.